0: It's Redemption Day for Daniel Ricciardo. He wins the Monaco Grand Prix. The driver's seat with Matt McKeldin and Stephen Johnson for Kubota. Together, we are building Australia.
1: It's Corona time. Hey, it's Corona time right now. (laughs) (laughs) So, has there been anything in the news recently, guys? <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, I speak in gs Coronavirus definitely has still been all the talk, and not just the sporting world, but in the real world as well. I mean, I still haven't been able to buy TP in my local supermarket. I don't understand it. I don't understand
2: the mayhem in the uh in the shopping centres and in mm. the in you know in the retail shops. You know, like Coles and Woolies and that sort of stuff. Just with with shelves bare and that sort of thing i i mean i the funny thing is the the shelves are bare with uh obviously toilet paper mm-hmm uh, but there's still food there, so <laughs> I, I don't know what you got you got in there to get out. But <laughs>
1: fair income, it's it, it just doesn't compute. I don't get it either. But one thing that we seem to have been talking about on this show more than coronavirus is Team Sydney and what's been going on there. Alex Davison has been named as James Courtney's replacement for the remainder of the 2020 season.
3: Yeah, Al yeah, el- Davo back in the chair at 40 years of age.
1: Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, he's he has done a deal and
2: it is for the rest of the Full year season yep so you know he understands what he's getting into because you know he's been there before mm-hmm. um, and he's he's driven for for teams that that have struggled in that regard and uh, he knows exactly what he's stepping into he just wants to see you know obviously as a bit of a How a last <laughs> yeah a last resort if he can you know help the team, yeah. with his experience, back to you know where it probably should be. And like in the SVG days, the days, yeah, it definitely shouldn't be at the back.
1: Mm. Well, you can see that car if you. Uh, you can definitely see car nineteen uh, with that. The, the fluorescent orange, not orange, sorry, fluorescent yellow livery. It looks like a highlighter. Wow. A,
3: mate mine, a, a mate of mine wrapped it and he said that it was, his retinas were burnt by the end of it. <laughs> wow. Uh, it, it's got a, a... looks like a, a giant jerky. splice, which I quite yeah. like. <laughs> <laughs> of course, you would think it's
1: a splice. Well done. And it comes back to food. Of course mm-hmm. it does. <laughs> uh, we also, while we're on the topic of uh, the other categories, uh, TCR Australia obviously uh, will be having the Asia Pacific Cup. This is their yep. non-points round as well too. Uh, Garth Tander has been named in the 22 car field. Uh, Will Brown will be carrying uh, the number one sticker since he's the reigning champion. But um, looking at the other categories, the S5000 category will also have Tommy Randall back on the grid, which is a great thing to see. Yeah, Tommy Randall. And in fact, during the uh, week, got cleared
3: by the doctors to compete at uh, Simmons Plains in the second round of the Dunlop Super 2. So he's having a great week. So I I was looking at the entry list for S5000. You've got the current Williams Formula 1 test driver there. You've got a multi-time Formula 3 champion in Tim Macro. Jack Aitken, by the way, is the the Formula One uh, Mm -hmm. Williams Formula 1 test driver. Jimmy Golding, who raced in uh, GRM last year. Got the first win, too, last year, I think. Yeah, got the first win. James Davison, who's... Uh, etched his way into an indie career overseas. Alex Premer, who got unceremoniously sacked by DJR Team Penske at the end of last year. Uh, Jinvay Ginkalo-Vizigela, F1. Tommy Randall, Super 2. Ricky Capo, who uh, most most people may not know, but he had quite a bit of success in the Le Mans series overseas. Zane Goddard, who competes in the Superlight program. Mm -hmm. And then... Rubens, is it Barrichello or
2: Barrichello, Steve?
3: I'm not sure. I reckon
2: it's, well, It's I think it's both. I've heard both. So <laughs> I reckon you know. it's Barrichello So he's going to compete as well,
3: ex-Formula 1, ex-Ferrari. Yeah. So, well, he, he yeah. did
2: do the, ignore, the inaugural first ever That's right, at race at Sandown mm-hmm. uh, yes. in the S5000. It was really yeah, yeah. cool. It was such a, a really good get for mm. uh, S5000 to get him out. He tested at Phillip Island, raced at Sandown, Um, but really good. I, I I love to see these cars or I'm, I'm, I can't wait to see these cars go around the Albert Park circuit. I think, I think it's going to be sensational racing. And with the, the star-studded field that we've got. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's not. I. I don't believe it's going to be very spread out like it was uh, in the first couple of rounds. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and I think that you're going to see some cracking racing.
1: Well, it should be pretty interesting to see what's going to happen there. But uh, we've got a lot more to talk about the AGP as well. Uh, we will do that in the podium. A big, big show. Aaron Noonan will join us very shortly. The V8 Sleuth. He's got a lot on his plate. I could tell you that. But uh, you'll listen to The Driver's Seat. We do it thanks to Kubota, Building Australia. And remember, you can rev up your smartphone with The Driver's Seat app, available in the App Store.
0: This is The Driver's Seat for Kubota, Building Australia.
1: Yeah, welcome back to The Driver's Seat. We do it thanks to Kubota. For over 40 years, we've been making Tomorrow Matter, and together we are Building Australia. Right now, gentlemen, it is time for our feature interview. Thanks to IMR Insurance, the tradies, mate. Call 13 IMAR. Bit of a historical one, Stevie J, because this year it's the 24th time in 25 years that supercars have raced at <laughs> Albert Park. Don't know what happened in 20 in 2007, but this man might be able to explain it to us. And that man is, of course, the V8 sleuth himself. Please welcome to the driver's seat once again, Aaron Noonan.
4: Oh. Well, well stop, is. stop! That's way too much. Feature interview, fanfare. This is—you've you, got it. You, you boys have lost it. This is crazy. We
3: even we even brought the studio audience in there for you, mate. We don't often do that. <laughs> so, you've done well, but as Nimsy said, it's twenty four twenty four years we've been doing this. The so one year I think everyone got the uh, the irrits with Formula One because they couldn't uh, they couldn't sell any merchandise, so they threw the toys out of the cot and said we're not coming. But it, it generally is. A serious highlight of the year for the fans to see the supercars at the Grand Prix circuit, isn't
4: it? Oh, it is. And that one year that you mentioned that they didn't have the V8s there, which was 2007. It seems like yesterday, but time flies when you're having fun. Uh, A lot of the V8 drivers were still there because their sponsors had various activations and commitments, and uh, a lot of them were there. They just didn't have any race cars to drive for the weekend, (laughs) so... It was a little bit of a strange one, and Stevie will remember that because he was in the category then, so uh, you were probably just swatting around in a corporate box for four days, which is a pretty good gig, but driving a race car would be, <laughs> come on, would be far, far better than that. But uh, Yeah, it's one that everyone looks forward to because for so many years it didn't come with the same stress because it wasn't part of the championship, but this year's the third year uh, that there's championship points on the line, so it's a bit more serious and everyone's got their eyes on a little bit more than they had in, in previous years, where well, they've probably tried things with their cars that they normally wouldn't do if there were points on the line. But it's hugely important to sponsors and to fans and corporate hospitality and the like. It's, it's a massive event. You've, you've got to be there,
2: Mate, uh, I'll have you know that in 07, I was sponsored by Jim Beam. So I was fully uh, under control <laughs> and doing everything responsibly, correctly. Stephen. Yes. Uh, where do you draw the line, Noons? And, uh, uh, yep. <laughs> and, and having a great time at the AGP.
4: Well, we've had a good time there for, for heaps of years. I remember being there in... 1996, first day of practice for Formula One cars. Uh, I should have been at school, but I wasn't. I can admit that now, can't I? Yeah, so it doesn't absolutely. really matter. Uh, and, you know, that was back in the time when it wasn't even V8 supercars. And it was still five litre V8 touring cars or Group A or whatever we called it at the time. Glenn Seaton won the very first race in the Ford Credit Falcon. And on the Sunday, hometown hero, Peter Perfect, Peter Brock in the HRT Commodore, uh, got the job done, beat the Fords, and the, the local Melbourne fans went nuts on the Sunday for Brocky to win there. So, uh, great history over the years, and I think one of the, the things always been that we've seen at Albert Park is that teams and cars and drivers get on a roll there. Um, back before we had a controlled tie where everyone's on the same rubber, it was a Dunlop track, and Stevie, you remember that, because Russell Ingall and Larry yep. Perkins for, I think, two years in a row, Russell won seven races in a row. That's how much of a... A great car and an advantage that that team had at yeah. that track in that you in the late 90s. But um, his record's up for grabs. He's got eight wins, Russell Ingall. but there's three guys this weekend who could uh, knock him off and that are sitting on seven. Winnerbottom, Van Gisbergen and Scotty McLaughlin. So I reckon the enforcer's record is going to be deleted coming into this weekend.
2: <laughs> Do you reckon that'll go this weekend?
4: I reckon. Uh, as long as Cam Waters and Scott McLaughlin stay away from <laughs> the roll-around lap, it <laughs> would be sweet. Last year, if, if you listeners don't know, they crashed on the roll-around lap. They hadn't even got into the race yet, and they were both out of the race for, um, for one of the four Suspension not it? So. Yeah, yeah. I think it was a bit of driver brain failure there. So yeah, a couple it was of something between the eyeballs and the back of
3: the head that had a failure there. Hey, uh, news, one of the things we love about you is you are the
2: stats man. I mean, uh,
3: if you don't know. Of course, he is. he's
2: just taken half my sheet off from front I was, of me. That I was, I was going about to say. to say, there goes all
3: the notes. Like, we <laughs> wondered what that look on your face was. Um, <laughs> You've got pretty well and banked and logged and filed pretty well every statistic of racing. Uh, since there were four wheels racing around in competition in Australia. I, I, I want to know how you did that. Did you literally sit in front of the television and scribble shorthand and then put it into how, – how does it all happen? How does the magic of V8 Sleuth happen?
4: Well, I think it's one of those things that a lot of other sports have their records kept by the, the body themselves. So the AFL do an amazing job with their records, the NRL, Cricket Australia, Tennis Australia – Motorsport's really different. It's very strange and probably hasn't done a good enough job on the whole not just supercar racing but all sorts of racing in terms of documenting those history items and the markers of success and I don't know there's there's no grand plan. Just as, as a young kid I liked following that stuff. You kept the uh, the old magazines and the results that were published and over time you, you work in the industry and you start collecting and collating and building databases and um, going digging for the bits of info that are perhaps missing that weren't published and uh, and drawing it all together, so you know, we're at the point now in, in my office where we have a, we probably have the best record of Australian motorsport, mainly supercars and and touring cars and Bathurst, that anyone in the country and and I'd probably back it against anyone in the world. So we're probably the champion data of of supercar racing. <laughs> what they are to, to AFL. Um, so Stevie, I can make your stats look good no matter what. Thank you, Nudes. <laughs> That's so, why we're good I, mates. I can, That's why I can we're do good it mates. It but, but it's not just
2: Nudes. <laughs> no, it's not just race results, is it? I mean you've got a massive, massive database on all old V8 touring cars, V8 supercars, where they've photos. gone, photos, everything, mm. haven't you? And and a lot of those people that either own those cars or want to own a particular car come to you, don't they, to try to find it yeah. uh, and purchase it or yeah. sell it through your site.
4: Oh, yeah, that's exactly right, Stevie. And, and a lot of these cars are now valuable. I, I mean, when they get wheeled out of the team's workshops at the end of – their racing life, the team moves on to the next car. Whatever's the fastest, whatever's the shiniest, whatever's the, um, the one that's going to win them the next race, and the old one just gets pushed out the door. Yeah. Um, but a lot of times these cars now, some 10, 15, 20 years on, uh, come into the hands of collectors who have them restored, um, who, who want to get the thing right. They want to have it looking exactly how it looked in the certain year, the certain race, and the, the certain livery that it ran back in the day. And that's where all of our work of keeping a track of all this stuff comes into play, and, quite frankly, mate, you've got to put it in a website because no one's brain could remember all that stuff. I'd like <laughs> sure. to think I'm a nerd, but I can't quite go to that sort of a level. But it's become a, a really handy service for uh, for car collectors and restorers and people who are doing their homework before they go and buy. So it's a really cool part of the sport that I've really loved to, to be involved in. And the teams have always been very supportive. And I know Dick Johnson Racing and DJ Team Penske have always been great as well with um, a much younger me and a slightly older me in the, the latter years, wandering in and out of their garages and double-checking which car was which and jotting it down the notebook and toddling off to the next garage and annoying the next team manager and the like. So i had great support from up and down the pit lane over the years. And funnily enough, over 10 or 15 years, it's those very same teams that end up ringing up saying, hey, so that old car that we had way back when, <laughs> uh, it, it's quite funny how it, uh, it all comes around.
3: So, mate, you, you're, I would say, as you just said, you'd back it anywhere against the world. You're the doyen of, of stats and documenting our sport. Obviously, just before the Adelaide 500 this year, we had the, the very sad news that there will hold be no Holden for going, for, uh, going, for, uh, going forward. Um, so that now leaves you in a position of, of bringing uh, some of those stats to play in a new book that you've got coming up called Racing the Lion. Um how has that been? And, and seriously, since the demise of Holden, the demand for that book must have gone through the roof.
4: Yeah, you're right. And it's one of those things where a piece of news like that, that's like Ferrari leaving Formula One. Holden yeah. out of supercar racing and not just Holden backing or the Commodore, which we already knew was, was leaving, but now the brand, the badge, the lion, um, years and years of history is disappearing. So we just felt it was appropriate that um, we put together a, a, a book that's uh, an illustrated history of Holden Racing over the years. We've got all these great photos in the files at the office. So we thought, well, let's get them all out and start to lay them out. The problem is, how do you fit 70-odd years of racing history in 400 pages? It's a little <laughs> bit difficult, but it's a, a challenge we're willing to take on. And um, thank you for mentioning the book. Yeah, Racing the Line. it is. Um, you can order it online and it'll be available a little bit later in the year. But, it's, you know, it's Monaro's and it's Tarana's and it's Commodore's and it's, um, rallying and it's off-road trials and it's rally Cross and it's Brock and Scafe and Lounge and all the superstars from, from over the years. There's all the, the obvious well-known things like Bathurst winning cars and some of the things that people have probably forgotten about along the way from Production cars and sports sedans, and yeah, there's some good old stuff in there. We're, we're having a few fights in the office as to whose photo <laughs> uh, gets in which page where. It's a bit of an ongoing fight, so we better get it sorted before we go to the, uh, you know, the print presses later. On, in the
2: on year. more than one occasion, uh, the old man DJ can, uh, can make a cameo in that book. Uh, <laughs> I only just saw recently. Uh, on the socials, the uh, the time that Dad drove the A9X at Bathurst as a, as a tribute to Brockie at in 2018, I think it was, Noons, wasn't it? It was uh, That was pretty cool.
4: Yeah, a few years back in the 12-hour, they put him mm. behind the wheel of, of Brock 78 Bathurst winning Tirana. But you remember, well, actually, it's probably a little bit before your time, but yeah. what did he start racing in, mate? A Holden. He, he
2: did. He started racing <laughs> in an FX Holden.
4: There you go. Number yeah, 38, J. it was. And he drove a Tirana and he had a go at yep. a few Holden cars. So I'm sure we can find a way to leave Dick Johnson into a Holden book just to really rile a few Holden fans.
2: Oh, wow. and, my, and my sister did cry when he sold that Tirana too.
4: Well, she'd cry even more if she knew exactly what it's worth because it would be worth quite a bit of money, I would have thought Exactly.
2: Too. Now, mate, we say, that we say you
3: are a good friend to the show and another good friend uh, to our show is young Gregory Rust. Now, you both have extremely successful podcast yourself of course the v8 sleuth podcast uh that's got lots and lots of content on it it's a great listen especially when you're stuck in traffic and you've got nothing to listen to <laughs> um and then there's greg Russ with rusty's garage but the two titans of the podcast world met last week and you actually uh interviewed gregory for your podcast how was that as an experience
4: really strange He's on the other yeah. side of the microphone. I don't think he was all that happy with the idea. <laughs> I've been trying to get Rusty. So, Rusty and I have known one like another for 20 odd years, and it took until last year for the first time for us to ever work together um, in, a, in something of a full time role with the TCR television that we worked on last year. And I kept saying to him, Right, we're going to do this at some stage. We'll find a window. Of course, we never did. And finally, in very recent times, I dragged him into the office when he um, came into town in, in Melbourne for some work that he was doing. And, We had a great sit-down. Yeah, uh, uh, if your listeners have a chance, jump on the V8 Sleuth podcast. It's an upcoming episode in the next few weeks. And he really opened up about a range of things that I probably didn't expect him to talk about. Um, There was a – and I won't give it all away because you've got to listen in. That's the way that it all works. We know that. Uh, Mm -hmm. But uh, he had a really big health scare when he was at a MotoGP event in Germany that he wasn't able to commentate. Um, and much more serious than I ever realised and I don't think than anyone ever realised that it was and it crossed his paths in a hospital with our late great mate Jason Richards who was undergoing uh, treatment for cancer at the time, that's one to listen out for too and he opens up about his departure from supercars a couple of years ago which Mm -hmm. he hasn't really talked about to this sort of level before but uh, he's very honest and and open and and forthright in his views and I think that's something that people will get a lot from, he's a great guy Greg Rust, he is loved and adored by everyone in our in our championship and in our motorsport community. He is such a professional. Um, he's a great guy. And it was great to sit down. Yes, the microphones were on. We're generally doing it when we're not got a microphone in front of us, but he was, he was open and he told so many great stories. And the story of taking the Mickey out of Peter Brock in New Zealand, if you've never heard it before, <laughs> he tells it complete with accent in place.
5: When he mimicked a
4: New Zealand radio personality to ring Brock to do a radio interview driving back to. Uh, the track from Cowie to Auckland one year, and it's well worth a listen. It's quite funny too.
3: And in fact, if you if you jump onto the V8 Sleuth podcast, you'll see you'll hear a ripper uh, two part podcast interview with Dave Reynolds. It's an absolute ripper. Listen, you have got to have a listen to it. If you, uh, as I say, I was stuck in traffic for an hour the other day, and I reckon or two hours, and I reckon I knocked over about two and a half podcasts. It was
4: brilliant. Yeah, we've had some some great feedback. Thanks, Maddie. We really appreciate. it. I mean, we've we've spoken to some great stars of the sport and. Um, We've got some more cool ones coming up. We've just done a chat with Larry Perkins, the Dave Reynolds one you mentioned. Uh, We're going to review some supercar rams during the year and do some classic cars too. So we'll have a pile of fun. So yeah, follow along. Of course, you know, the driver's seat, you've got to listen to all the driver's seat (laughs) stuff too. That's got to be done as well. I mean, I think we're all in the community here. Everyone listens to everything else. I mean, I've had David. David Reynolds has his own podcast and he's been on mine. Rusty has as well. So Stevie J's been on mine. So who's next?
3: Well, and you've got below the bonnet. You've got, what's the one that Scotty Mack does? Balls and bonnets. Balls and bumpers. Balls and bumpers. bumpers. Mm. Yeah, So there is a bunch of content around, which is really cool. If you didn't have already enough on your plate there, Noons, you've also got the V8 Sleuth Classic, which we sort of teased might have happened at Winton last year, but it got put on ice. But it's going to be uh, happening in September this year at the OTR 500 at the Bend. Um, Give us a, a quick snapshot about that. How's that looking?
4: Yeah, that was something that you guys gave great support to last year where the plan was the V8 Super Classic was going to run at Winton uh, at the TCR round in August. Unfortunately, the entries were a little bit too small for us to go ahead as a standalone event. But what we've done this year is um, amalgamated it and made it part of the final round of the Kumo V8 Touring Car Series, which is it's, it's the third tier, really, of the supercars. It was called Super 3 last year. It's gone back to its V8 Touring Car uh, name this year. Uh, So they've always had a class for the older V8 supercars, and that's probably died away in the last few years because a lot of young kids have been getting in the series and want to progress up the ladder and get to Super 2 and push their way up to the main game one day. So a lot of the guys with the older cars weren't as competitive and they were not getting them out of the garage and the shed. So this is an opportunity to to fuse this together with the last round of the five-round Kumo series and and really encourage some of those cars from the late 90s and the early noughties and maybe an old Stevie J number 17 might wheel out somewhere along the line. Do you reckon we could convince you to have a steer?
2: I reckon, mate. I reckon uh, that wouldn't be a bad idea, to be fair. Here we
4: go. Here we go. I,
2: I pull a crowd, as you know. I pull a crowd.
4: What, two? Yeah. It's still a crowd.
2: There's two's a crowd. No, isn't three a crowd? Two's company, three's a crowd. I can pull three. (laughs)
4: we
1: go uh, no, we really do appreciate you taking some time out To have a chat with us here on the driver's seat uh, Make sure you do keep an eye on the V8 Sleuth podcast It is doing some fantastic numbers as well And it is powered by our good mates at Timken A world leader yes. in bearings and mechanical power transmission products and services So uh, thanks for you guys doing the Where's, where's the cha-ching
3: sound effect oh, Where do you guys go?
1: You want the cha-ching, do you? There we go there you go. Nicely done. As you said, Noons, there is a lot of podcasts out there and we all need to keep the lights on. So,
4: <laughs> I agree wholeheartedly. One day we could all be together on the one roof and we just record one big podcast and we could all have the rest of the week off. <laughs> That's for
1: sure. Hey, really? so Noons, hopefully we'll see you around the AGP in a couple of rounds too, mate. And I uh, hope the V8 Classic goes gangbusters. Also, for... For Ford fans out there too, make sure you get a hold of the official history of 40 years of cars for Dick Johnson Racing slash DJR Team Penske from 1980 to 2019. I've seen some ripper photos that you've been kind enough to share on the social, so that's going to be an absolute bumper as well. So v for everything you need. Once again, Noons, it's been an absolute pleasure, mate, and uh, we'll see you soon.
4: I'm sure for all those plugs, the invoice is in the mail to me. Appreciate it. Good to <laughs> chat to you all, boys. Fantastic Jesus stuff. Great to be with you again.
1: Aaron Noonan was our feature interview. Thanks to IMAR Insurance, the tradies mate. Call 13 IMAR or visit imr.com.au. This is the driver's seat. Thanks to Kubota, Building Australia.
0: This is the driver's seat for Kubota. Together, we are building Australia.
1: Welcome back to The Driver's Seat. We do it thanks to Kubota Building Australia. Right now, it's time for one of our favourite segments. Now on The Driver's Seat, the podium. That's right. We go through three hot topics that have been around the traps and cause a bit of a stir in the media landscape here in motorsport. Not just supercars, but I do want to start off with supercars because uh, P1 on the podium this week. Would a control engine work in supercars? Now, Ryan Walkinshaw was on the Below the Bonnet podcast um, and has said, the manufacturers we've spoken to, uh, when we talk about the engine, they, they're they like, we don't care about the engine, we just want the body shape. Now, he reckons the series should follow the lead of the British Touring Car Championship and its Toker engine, which offers an affordable supercars branded engine that manufacturers would just slap a body onto it and that was that. So we'll start with you, Maddie. What do you think of this one?
3: I 150% agree that they should have a control engine. Totally. Um, uh, There's no manufacturers that are now willingly putting money into our category. So at the end of the day, as long as it's all body shape, we've got a control damper now, control engine, control gearbox, control rear end, it comes back to that driver. So I, I don't like to harp on about Trans Am and TA2, but it's exactly what we do there, and people love it. So, of course, you're going to get a section of the audience that's going to say, oh, if it's not a Ford engine, I don't want to what a what a piece of junk, or mm. it's not a holding engine, what a piece of junk. But I've got to tell you, for our sport, for getting new manufacturers to come in and give teams money to throw a silhouette shell on top of a control chassis with a control engine, I don't think makes a jot of difference, and I think it's probably
2: the way forward. Yeah, well, I mean, when you look at how to move the motorsport, I guess – all motorsport forward mm-hmm. is to try to contain the costs. And yep. you
1: know, that's the biggest obstacle, isn't that's
2: it? Yeah. A, that's a, the biggest thing, you know, like, uh, back. And I know for a fact, back in the late eighties, early nineties with the, the Sierra days and, yep. and the start of the, the V8 touring car, mm-hmm. uh, championship again, the, the money back then was quite a bit easier and, and, Quite a bit more forthcoming than what it is to you know this day and
1: age. Well, you even had privateers and whatnot back Absolutely. then. Absolutely. Whereas private couldn't even dream about doing it now. I mean, if you if you tell someone that you know
2: spending you know in excess of ten million dollars a year now mm. uh, back then, they'd think you're an absolute lunatic. You know, <laughs> seriously. So, so I really do think that. An engine and and you know I speak for obviously only myself and my opinion because there's a lot of engine manufacturers out there that that would not like to hear this mm-hmm. um you know spending a hundred hundred and fifty thousand bucks per engine uh buying an engine and then having to maintain it is yeah. you know is crazy, so I think yeah absolutely having an engine uh and Matty, you can you you were you are a good test candidate for this because obviously the t a two championship that's what they run they run a yeah uh uh, you know, I wouldn't say box stock, but a mm. but an engine that everyone's got. There, it's all yep. the same. The, yep. the power is all the same. Uh, and for for supercars to be able to do that, and even if you said they were going to be seventy five grand and you had to run them for three race meetings yeah. before you did anything, that would be a massive, massive gain in in financial stress. Um, that and and
1: might've encouraged a couple of new teams to sort of hundred percent or new manufacturers even to sort of go, well, all I need to do is slap a body around it. Absolutely. So I think,
2: I think you're right. I think, I think that would be certainly a way forward, but that's a massive step and that might be able to come, you know, in the next year or two, because that's something that they need to plan five years out because that's a, that's a huge change.
3: Well, there's uh, two parts of it. There's a competitive part and there's a cost part. That's right. And, people who are currently who have got ripping engine programs, let's think Walkinshaw and and that kind of stuff, he's come out and said, because remember that, sorry let me go back a step, remember that Penrite Racing Australia they run Walkinshaw engines, so this this is a he's coming out and saying it should have a control engine that's against his business yeah um and so he's taking essentially what is right for the sport and doing it in TA2 we run a Howe motorsport engine it's based on an LS3 engine we get 4 years out of an engine i refresh mine over the off season it was 17000 bucks um if you can go to a kia or a toyota or whatever and say give me 750000 a million dollars, and we'll chuck your car on onto our chassis and a control engine. They're going to look at it, mm. but if you go to them and say, Listen, we want to do this and we want it to be five, and you're going to have to give us five million dollars and this, that, and now the they're going to go, No way, yeah, yeah. So, I, I think it's the way forward. It'll be interesting to see if it comes in.
1: Uh, P2 on the podium, will a Vettel be at Ferrari in 2021? He's out of contract, he finished fifth last year. Uh, it wasn't exactly setting the world on fire, but um, is he st- will he still be at Ferrari next year? Stevie, what do you reckon? Well, that's a hard one. That's a hard one, <laughs> Nimsy. Um, Where's your crystal ball? I think
2: it's really going to depend on the relationship between he and his teammate Charles Leclerc. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, I'm not sure who else is off contract. I mean, it's, it's one of those things. Of What's that? A lot of them a lot of them are yeah a lot absolutely of contract. Ferrari I hope tend he's not. ferrari as in you hope he's not there no oh no that's interesting because no, i i hope I, th- he's not there. I think ferrari are more uh of the type of team that are more loyal than rather than just change you mm-hmm. know so if there's an inkling that he possibly could be there i think he will be but you
1: know my gut feel is no he won't mm. that's my gut no. feel what about you, Matty? Why are you so strongly for him not being at Ferrari?
3: Because then I think Dan Ricciardo will go there. Oh,
1: There you go. So it's just think, a part of the jigsaw puzzle. Yeah, I think it is part of the jigsaw puzzle. I think the bigger
3: question is, will Seb Biddle be in Formula 1 next year? Um, and I think the answer to that is yes. Will he be in Ferrari? Don't know. I Personally, I hope not, because I think that then opens the door that unless Renault do something extraordinary this year... It gives Danny Riccardo an out and gives him an opportunity to go to Ferrari should they want him. Mm. Um, and I think this year, as I as I said in our crystal balls a couple of weeks ago, I think Leclerc going to belt uh, belt Seb Vettel. So we'll see. But I I'd, I'd love to see Dan Riccardo in Ferrari in the new specification of rules and the new cars in in twenty twenty one. I think it'll be sensational.
1: Mm. Well, P three on the podium. Will we see races in front of no crowds in Australia? Because this year, the world, this year's World Time Attack Challenge has become the first motor racing event in Australia to be cancelled due to the whole coronavirus one-word outbreak. Now, this was going to be in October, uh, but organisers are citing potential travel and freight restrictions that might affect the running of the event. We've seen that the Bahrain Grand Prix, which is round two, that's going to be done behind closed doors. The AFL and a lot of other big sporting bodies have said if they're given the order... For no large public masses of people, they'd have the games in empty stadiums. What do you think? Will this happen in in our land here? Maddie? If we follow the current trend of other sports and
3: other Grand Prix around the world, yes. Very yeah. entirely it's a very, very, very strong possibility. Daily there are more people being diagnosed with coronavirus. I don't, I think we've had one death or two deaths or something which is tragic but I think mm-hmm. we've only had a couple of deaths. Uh in short answer I think yes. I mean uh, the train has left the station. The the wave is breaking. Everyone is panicking and sports administrators are making hard decisions and I think it's definitely possible. I definitely possible uh now that the TV deals are so good um and we get such great coverage. I think definitely possible.
2: Mm. Steve? Yeah, I'm not I don't think so. Mm. I don't I don't think supercars is big enough to survive without having fans at the track. Yeah. I don't think, you know, I, it's, it's funny because see that you got to remember the what supercar in Sydney
3: at Sydney motorsport park they don't get five people and a dog to that. Race. Yeah, exactly.
2: Exactly. <laughs> so it's, um, one of those, you know, it's one of those things, a, a V8 race or a supercar race. Is on, let's say, every two
1: to three weeks. You will take, right? yeah.
2: You know, you're you've got constant AFL or NRL yeah, you've matches got about nine
1: games in a round. In a round, like, you know, yeah. every week. So
2: yeah. it, the the difference there is massive mm-hmm. in in their in their business models. It's just a totally different aspect, you know. And um, I don't think that you're going to see uh, the supercars running. At a track, you know, like a, a Winton or wherever it might be, with no one there. With no one there, yeah, absolutely they, not.
1: Well, look, yeah. it, it could come down to it, might not come down to it. It's still early days, so uh, we, why don't you we... just go with all the toilet paper wrapped around your head? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Depending,
3: depending on what time of the year you go to the Winton circuit, you walk away with a cold and flu anyway. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So damn cold. <laughs> <laughs> like I'd go to Winton midwinter, come away with a cold and flu, and I wouldn't be thinking coronavirus. I just You're thinking another I year
2: at Winton. Yeah. yeah.
1: But um, that that wraps up. And the... it took you two weeks to get over it. <laughs> yeah, exactly <right. laughs> that wraps up the podium. Look for the green and gold Aussie made logo. To be sure, it's authentically Australian made. Uh, Before we head to a quick break, a quick update of the Penrite Power Rankings. The driver's seat. Penrite
0: Power Rankings. Penrite Oil. Australian owned and made since
1: 1926. Here's the rankings after the Superleap Adelaide 500. Scott McLaughlin sits on top with five votes, four votes for Will Davison uh, in second spot. Shane Van Gisbergen with two votes, coming in third. And last but not least, Cam Waters with one vote. You are listening to The Driver's Seat. We do it across Australia, thanks to Kubota. For over 40 years, we've been making Tomorrow Matter, and together, we're building Australia. This is The Driver's Seat for Kubota. Together,
0: we are building Australia.
1: Welcome back to The Driver's Seat. We do it thanks to Kubota. Together, we are building Australia. Right now, it's time for our feature interview for IMR Insurance. The tradies, mate, call 13IMAR. And now this year marks the 24th time that supercars have raced at Albert Park. It's the third year in which it's fought championship points. We thought we'd relive one of the most famous wins for championship points at the AGP.
0: Race number five of our championship season is underway. goffman has got control by just over three quarters of a second from Scotty Pike. Well, this will be a change for the lead,
2: Is our race leader. 3.1 seconds is the gap to Jamie Wincup. You can't even see J Dub in the plume behind car number two at the moment.
0: Pi could lose the lead here to Wincup. So Pi, a mistake at turn 30. This is very high stakes on the streets of Melbourne. They are battling for the lead. They cannot see. It's so wet out there. There's no light. There's no grip. But there's major points up for grabs. When the on by a here at the moment. still
1: Now it was one of the greatest drives that we have seen at the Australian Grand Prix round. It was the first one for points as well back in 2018. And we've got the man, the myth, the legend that did it. He was an absolute superstar back in 2018 and hopefully on the streets of Melbourne he'll do it again. Please welcome back to the driver's seat, the one and only from Team 18, Scotty Pye. Hey mate, what a welcome. (laughs) Before we even start, uh, you, you just heard that highlights package in your intro mate. It's the time of the year, I'm sure everyone brings it up to you and I'm no exception. That win at the AGP mate. Must bring some very, very fond memories to you.
5: Yeah, it certainly does. It uh, I, I think it's one um, people are going to talk about um, for a very long time. Not not uh, my win as such, I mean, but just that race itself. You know, I just happened to be the, the guy who won it <laughs> at the end. But that was one of the craziest races I think we've seen in supercars, whether you know from the weather not not, um, in terms of accidents or anything. But the conditions um, I've never raced in anything like that. The way it changed, track went from being a real fast, slick, um, dry track to Sun going down, it got dark, it started raining, Um, you know, our our, uh, headlights are about as useful as two little uh, battery-powered torches (laughs) on the front of the car, so it was a a tricky race for a number of reasons, and uh, yeah, to come out on top, I mean, that's uh, that's pretty special, and then for it to be my first ever win as well, it just uh, made it all that more better.
1: I think you're selling yourself just a tad short there because uh, the bloke <laughs> behind you, mate, uh, he's had a fair few wins and a fair few races. In fact, he's coming up to 500, but that would have been nervy as seeing uh, Jamie Wincup, of all people, in the in the rearview mirror for a lot of that race. But look, it, hopefully you go absolutely well this uh, this round. I know Adelaide's in the rearview mirror, but uh, we, we got to talk about that for a little bit because it was a pretty hard day at the office and for a new team, it's not how you want to start, but... Your attitude, man, was just so positive. Uh, we saw the the videos that was on socials on the Team A10 and the Dewalt Racing uh, Facebook page. I mean, when you got back to the transporter, it seemed like the mood was still fairly good spirits after what was a not the best round, to be honest.
5: It was probably. I don't know if it was good spirits. I think it was just it was one of those things that the weekend was tough for a number of reasons. We had a lot of little little things that, that went wrong, and and uh, but I don't think we were. Um, it wasn't that we didn't expect those things. You know, mm-hmm. I think that uh, it was always going to be a challenging weekend and, and one that we needed to just accept uh, what was going to come our way and try and deal with it in the best way possible. And I think uh, it's probably more challenging than we wanted, uh, <laughs> even even uh, mentally. I mean, it was just like smacking your head against a pole, a pole because, you know, Sunday was just pure bad luck again, wrong place, wrong time with the the two teammates that took themselves out. And yeah. we got caught up in that. Um, so, you know, there are circumstances that we couldn't control the suspension failure as well. It's not our component. Um, and, uh, and a few things have changed this year, obviously, with the control parts that I think contributed to it. So it wasn't, again, something we could see or, or change. So, I mean, I look at those things and just that uh, you have to accept them and there's no point um, letting them affect uh, the next day you got to try and um, get up the next day as if it's the first and uh, and bounce back. So, you know, that's what we've done since Adelaide. We've, we've debriefed and chatted about what we could have done differently, done better. And um, hopefully come this weekend, we can bounce back and, and get a really solid result.
1: You mentioned the uh, the shocks there. Obviously, it's sort of leveled the playing field just a little bit. Has it made it a tad easier for you in the sense that you were going from a Walkinshaw-built Commodore, which you've driven uh, for a number of years, going into a 888-built one? It's the first time you're doing that which in itself is a hard enough thing to adjust to, is the fact that having to compound that with new shocks into the whole uh, picture, does it make it easier or does it sort of make an an evil, a leveler for you? Do you just go in there just going, you know what, it's going to be a new car, it's a new car?
5: Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I I went in with an open mind and... uh, yeah, I'm just trying to adapt to what we've got. Every time you go to a circuit you go with a different setup anyway, so the cars are never never exactly the same and if they are then you're gonna be left behind. So mm-hmm. um as a new season I know there's gonna be some growing pains um internally with the team, which um is fine because the um the the plan is not to have success today but tomorrow. So for us we we keep that mentality and make sure that we do a better job every time we go on track. And then uh, by the end of the season is when we really want to be kicking our goals and, um, and then come out next year real strong. So I didn't, I didn't underestimate the challenge of switching um, cars, but at the same time, it's kind of, uh, I feel really confident about, about the, the car I'm in now, about the team that's around me and a lot more um, confident than I was in the package I had last year. And That's obviously why I've decided to make the move. I think that, um, you know, I was I was there long enough to see the ladder land, and and I feel like I've I've made a, a really good decision, and it's one that might not come to fruition instantly, but it's certainly going to in the future.
1: Well, we see uh, you you teamed up with Matty Saunders. I mean, the first time uh, that you two have been paired up together, uh, is it's a very important relationship which we've seen stressed uh, in the past couple of years between the engineer and the driver. Uh, how are you two sort of coming together, um, or is it still too early to tell?
5: No, really well. I mean, I've um, unfortunately I've had. Um, plenty of uh, times where I've had to meet new engineers. I mean, I don't think uh, Walkinshaw was really the only time I had the same engineer um, for a couple of years. But then in the last year, I think we changed engineers three times um, at that team. So it was a a really tough, tough um, last 12 months there with engineering. Um, But this year, hopefully, it's something that will now continue on into the future with the same engineer. I think Matty's a great guy and a a superb engineer, someone who's... um, just going to get better and better with time as well so um, yeah my first impressions fills me with confidence so Ideally, I want to keep the same engineer now for a very very long time (laughs) and build that relationship because we do see how important it
1: is. Uh, You've also got uh, Dean Fiore coming on board as your co-driver for the Enduros. It is a bit of a shame to break up the dream team combo of you and Luffy because you (laughs) did have a stellar run of success with him. I mean, two Bathurst podiums, not something to sniff out there. But uh, uh, Dino has got a wealth of experience behind him as well too. And to be quite honest, he's probably stoked to be not driving a Nissan this year. (laughs) But uh, how did he go at the test day in your Commodore?
5: Yeah, really well. It's going to be, um, be good to have Dino in the car with me. I, he was my teammate in 2013, my first year in the championship, and, yeah, we get on well. Um, he's a he's a funny funny dude, so, yeah, I'm keen to have him in the car. Obviously, you know, Luffy and I had some really good success in the past, but um, we never never got that win, and, uh, you know, I'm certainly going to miss Luffy, but I'm excited about having Dino in the car, and hopefully we can get that win. I think that he's a, a real talent that hasn't had the, the car underneath him or, you know, I think often the co-drivers you see are at the detriment of, of the lead driver. So mm-hmm. hopefully, I can do my job and we can give Dino a, a good car and a good position. And um and yeah, he can, uh, yeah get get some great results. So I really think that um, of all the co-drivers, he was he was a pick this year for me for mm-hmm. sure.
1: Well, you joining Team 18, it was literally one of the biggest moves in the lead up to 2020. And we've chatted to Frosty before on the show after he left Tick, but He said he had a wish list. He he gave it to Charlie. And Charlie just went and went. Okay, that's what you need. This is what you get. And he sort of said, "Well, it's the right move for him." Did you have something sort of similar when it came time for you to make your decision on where you were going to drive in 2020?
5: Yeah, for sure. There's a lot of um, a lot of people in pit lane that um, that, that have the talk, and we, we see that all the time. And sometimes it actually plays out publicly. That it doesn't doesn't always work out. But with Charlie, I think that. Um, he never promises what he knows he can't deliver, mm-hmm. and that for me was really important. to have someone that you can trust, and all the feedback I got as well. Obviously, I did my homework on on the teams that I had, the options that I had, and all the feedback on Charlie was super positive. And as soon as I had that first meeting with him, uh, it was it was pretty obvious why why it is that way. And yeah, speaking of Frosty, it was the same as well. You know, his, his opinion of him, and certainly since joining the team now, uh-huh. um, we've been given all the tools that we could ask for for sure. I think that that was important. You know, I, I've you know, was somewhere that wasn't um you know, I wanted change. I wanted to it's okay to make mistakes. Yep. Um it's it's you know, as long as you're making those mistakes, trying to do things different and do them better every time. So uh that was something I was prepared to, to accept early and um and yeah, so having an opportunity with Charlie and Frosty and the rest of the team um where we're being being given the tools we need to do the job is, is a really good opportunity.
1: Now you're a pretty competitive bloke. Frosty's also a competitive bloke. uh competitive bloke. He gave the team their first Armorial pole last year. So is there a bit of rivalry and internal competition between you guys to see he'll deliver the first trophy? Because, let's face it, Frosty needs to be intimidated because you're the bloke that gave DJR Team Penske their first podium. You also gave Walkinshaw and Ready United their first race win. So is Frosty sort of going, hang on a second, this, this could be a bit testy. Here. I, I better be up the front a little bit more than uh, the bloke in the DeWalt car.
5: Yeah, it was uh, frustrating. Unfortunately, at Walk at uh TJ, I didn't get their first win. We got their best result, but not their um, their first win. But you know, to, to get that at Wollongong was great, and certainly, I'd love to um, to get that for Charlie and repay his face he's put in me. Uh, but at the end of the day, mate, whoever gets the first one, um, it's all well and good. It's it's as long as we can back it up. And I think that's what Frosty and I are working on is making sure that we have a car that can perform every weekend. Mm-hmm. And you know, our our work with the guys, um, you know, is not going to be uh, we're not going to be satisfied if it's just the one flash in the pan. We need to repeat and uh, have both cars on the podium regularly. That's our, our target. But, of course, I'd love to have that first one. I'd be, I'd be lying if I said I didn't want it.
1: Scott Pye is our feature interview. Thanks to IMR Insurance, the tradies, mate. Call 13IMR or visit au. Scotty, thanks so much for taking the time out to have a chat with this mate here on the driver's seat. Best of luck this weekend, and hopefully we'll chat to you soon.
5: No problem, mate. i better get to my track walk, too. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, mate. This
0: is the driver's seat for Kubota. Together, we are Building Australia.
1: Welcome back to the driver's seat. We do it thanks to Kubota Building Australia. Right now, it is time for the race rewind.
5: Oh, that's Lounge. Lounge and that's, the, that's Rick Kelly. This is dangerous. This is, this is, this is, this is the oh. Lowndes and I think
2: it's
1: one of the Jack Daniels car. Yep,
2: on that.
4: This is a big, big hit. It looked like Lowndes and I... Rick Kelly got together initially coming off that turn. Uh... That is just cat like reactions
1: from, from Stevie J.
2: We, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 We yeah. stitch up. This is a stitch up. <laughs> didn't I say that last week or the week before? The only
3: time I've ever seen cat like reactions on Stevie J is when someone else went to the bar and said, Stevie, would you like a drink? My shout. No, what happened
2: was dear. when you knocked that when you knocked that uh crispy cream off the bench, I grabbed it well before it hit the floor, didn't I? <laughs> no,
1: but we we are of course for this race rewind talking about the five car pile up in twenty eleven. At Albert Park. So, for those that haven't seen it, uh, it's still the first lap, too, Steve. First lap.
3: Yep. It, didn't it rip the doors off? I mean, the thing comes sideways <laughs> to the camera. There's no jack. There's no Jim Beam on it. Uh, the wheels are gone. It's sitting down. It's halfway down the road. It's too far away for Warren Love to run down and <laughs> see if you're okay. The thing's just sitting there. It's I, gold.
2: Didn't I tell? I told you I didn't have to open
1: anything to get out. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I just undid my belt. I and I stepped it. out. That was just an absolute can job. But yeah, so what happened was Craig Lans and Rick Kelly are battling over P two here.
2: Did Lansie go for a dive? Uh Lansy went for a dive and they went through turn ten ten eight. Nah, eight. seven and then through oh. eight side by side.
1: And ended up at the concrete wall of turn ten. Yeah, I
2: think I'm not sure. I think it might have been uh Rick Kelly. Was he No, it was Lowndes, actually. Lowndes Lowndes was on the left, and Lowndes Lowndes ran sort of Rick Kelly out to the wall and gave him no room. So they both ended up in the wall, Rick Kelly basically pushing Lowndes down the track like – Fully like t-boned in his door. Yeah,
1: yeah, and it's the angriest I've heard Craig Lance on a radio too. I can tell you I can that. Tell you though, what I love
2: is that if you can imagine
3: Stevie J, you were back in what 14th or 15th or whatever you were.
2: Yeah, I actually, I, I think I had a, I think I actually had a DNF the day before, so I probably started from the back. So I'd made so, up a few spots. So I was happy. So there. Kelly and Lowndes are in the wall, right? So everyone's dodging
3: left, and Stevie J goes, "Oh, here we go! Everyone's going to go left. I'm going to go around the right-hand side." Yeah, nah, mate. They're going left for a reason. <laughs> There's two cars in the fence, but Stevie J goes around the outside,
1: tears the wheels off it. So yeah. this this is the thing I want to know because in trying to find that footage, there is when you put down Albert Park supercars, the only thing that pops up in YouTube and in all the the search engines are shunts, massive shunts tw- uh, tw- that have big names in them too. Jamie Wincup spinning them yep. too, SVG, you name it. So it's everyone seems to be done over at. The AGP. So well, look, what is it about, Stevie, what is it about the AGP track, that track that just makes it Shunt City? I don't know. It's just, it's a fast track. It's an open
2: track. I mean, it's it's totally, even though it is a street circuit, it's not really. Mm-hmm. You know, it's more of a Phillip Island style track, very fast and flowing, very smooth. The curbs aren't very big. There are a few walls, that's about it, but they're not really, a lot of them aren't that close to the track. You know, obviously that one is, but it's not really a wall that you're going to hit unless you're going to run somebody out of road. (laughs) Um, so yeah, so I just think that when stuff happens there, because your road speed and your your general speed is up, um, it's going to happen. It's going to happen quite big. Mm -hmm. And... Even though there are walls there, you bounce off them and you bounce back into the middle. Yep, in in amongst everyone else that's trying to go past you. So but there's there's
3: something in the psyche though, Steve, because up until the time that it was a championship round, it was Shunt City. Yep, when we used to see the supercars uh, on the streets of the Gold Coast as a display round when it wasn't a championship round. It was Shunt City. So what is it about in the championship you're playing it safe because you've got to play the whole thing. But when it comes to these non-championship races, it's hell for leather, we're going mad. We're going crazy. So yeah. it's a psyche.
2: It is a little bit. It is a bit. And I think if you're in a position, you know, say in a top five position, especially if you don't you aren't normally in the top five, you're having a really cracking run and mm-hmm. you're right on the tail of P four. And it's a championship round. You're going to go, oh, am I going to really have a dip here? Or am I just going to... Because
1: you got to think about points. You know, you got to think I'll about... put
2: pressure on and see if he yeah. makes a mistake. But I'm not going to take a chance because I'm in a really good spot. Mm-hmm. Whereas back then when it was uh, a non-championship event, a demonstration event, it's like, yeah, oh. you know, At let's send... just tighten the crutch strap and have a crack. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> I'll go around the outside. I'll go around the outside. Oh, that's, that's I'm thinking,
2: why are all these tools backing off? I'm just going to go down the right and... <laughs> oh, oh,
0: Jesus!
2: <laughs>
3: There goes the door. There goes my back door. There, where's there me goes my door, mate. Oh. There's
1: the door. There's the wheel. There's this. The thing about that, as we put a bow on the race rewind, the thing that really amazed me about that footage is Lancey drove his car back to the pits. He did drive it. I tried. It uh, didn't go anywhere. It wasn't much of a car to drive. And I
2: said to Dad when I got back, I said, I'm sorry, mate, but, you know, take a look on the bright side. We don't have to drain the diff oil when we get home." <laughs>
1: That was our race <laughs> rewind here on the driver's seat. Hey, before we wrap up the show, we do have to do our Bendix Brakes big moment. Now on the driver's seat, another Bendix
0: Brakes big moment. Bendix, Australian technology for all-weather confident
1: braking. Something that we haven't mentioned uh, this whole show, actually, is, of course, Jamie Wincup celebrates quite a milestone, 500 starts. In supercars at the AGP. Not bad, Matty, for a bloke that got the sack in his first full time season. Yes, that was not one of Gary Rogers' better uh, decisions. Uh, mate, he's the GOAT. There is just,
3: at this stage of, of at the history of this sport, he is the GOAT. He is the greatest of all time. And whether you love him or hate him, you've got to respect him for what he's done. And, uh, you know, two, two thumbs up and a, and a golf clap from the driver's seat because it's hard enough to get one race, let alone 500 starts, you know, seven-odd championships, 119 race wins. Um, the only thing I think he'll be thinking... This weekend is he's if he gets pole position, whether he wears the armor uh pole position hat on his head and looks like a goose again, probably won't do that. I
1: oh, think, I, I i love the fact that he actually put that there in his head, too. But but uh, look, obviously, um, he is the guy, as you said, he's got the record for most race wins 119, the most armor all poles 80. Most podiums, 239 in supercars history. Will we ever see anyone come close to that, Stevie, do you reckon, in your time? Oh, it's hard,
2: isn't it? I mean, I don't think so because, you know, there's not going to be too many people that have a career that long mm-hmm. in one category because there's so many other different things now. You know, you oh, yeah, you got, you know, I mean, Chas Moss, obviously committed here to, to Walkinshaw and Red United, but you know, he's got opportunities to go and race for BMW uh, overseas and and do championships, but – and a lot of the young guys these days, if they get that opportunity, I think they'll do that. So, you know, I'm not sure how many people are going to be in supercars for the next 30 years of their career, to be fair. Yeah, and he joined a dominant team in Red Bull. I mean, he joined it at exactly the right time, and
3: it it was a form peak for those guys, and he used every bit of it to his
1: advantage and and, – uh, he is definitely the GOAT. Of all those 500 races that he's, well, that he will be a part of, 2003 probably wasn't the lowest spot for it. I think we've actually got the footage of his most frustrating year in Sip and his most frustrating race, which is this one.
4: This is Wing Cup trying to muscle through James Courtney's teammate. Well, Steven Johnson doesn't want to go anywhere. He'll hold him up as long as he can. He'll cop any penalty because it'll be beneficial to James Courtney. A championship is on the line. If Win Cup gets past Stephen Johnson and James Courtney
0: for some reason doesn't make it to the end of the race, Win Cup wins the
4: championship. This is James Courtney's teammate holding Win Cup back from getting into a position that he could win the series. Stevie Johnson has all the experience. He's been around since 1994. All the dramas could well
0: ride on whether or not he could hold back Jamie Winkum.
1: <laughs> could have been nine. Could have, could have, could have, could been, have eight. been eight. Nine. Could have been eight. <laughs> Sorry, j Dar, but could have been.
3: Could have been nine if it wasn't for that dirty Johnson. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, You know, the funny thing was, by the end of that race, I'd actually pulled away from him. Bro. <laughs> I, I do want to say I do want to say something though. 500 races for for J Dub, 239 podiums. That's a 52.2 percent strike rate of being on the podium. Yeah, that's not bad, not
1: How bad good at all. Is that? But uh, that uh, wraps up another edition of the driver's seat. Uh, we do it thanks to Kubota. Together, we're building Australia, and that of course was our Bendix brakes big moment. Put your foot down with confidence, Bendix brake, Australian technology for all weather confident
4: braking.